Rodney Jane here. With the holiday period over, Baked Beans Month is back at Bob Jane T-Marts. Buy three, get the fourth tyre absolutely free on selected Bridgestone, Yokohama and Goodyear tyres. Plus, up to $150 instant cashback on a range of Goodyear, Dunlop, BF Goodrich, Continental and Michelin tyres. Alloy wheels from only $125 and tyres from just $69. All with our best tyre price guarantee. We'll look after you. Tastes and supply. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news, powered by race fuels in association with Bob Jane T-Marts. From supercars to club racing, race fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need them. And fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Each week, multi-award winning journalist Mark Fogarty brings the big stories and talks to the big names. If it matters in motorsport, you'll hear it first, right here on Parked Up Plus. Coming up, Ford Friction. Why the Gen 3 saga isn't over. Small is good. How Supercar's tiniest team beat the big guns. Red Bull's Aussie F1 assault. Not just that crowd-pleasing Bathurst demo. And Ford returns. Why the Blue Oval is coming back to Formula One. All this and more, straight ahead on Parked Up Plus. Here's folks. Ah, the sweet sound of old-school Formula One at Mount Panorama. What? A combination. Hi there, race fans. More of that to come and why Ford is returning to Formula One with Red Bull. First, though, the latest on Gen 3, the supercar's gift that just keeps on giving to motorsport media. Just when we thought all the rancor was over, it's on again, or more accurately, it's continuing. The declaration of peace between Ford and supercars over final Gen 3 homologation was premature. Although closer to agreement, Ford still isn't happy, with the supercar season opener at Newcastle only four weeks away. Recent 11th hour validation and comparison tests haven't fully appeased Ford as the company announced its return to Formula One in 2026, Global Motorsport Chief Mark Rushbrook also addressed the Gen 3 elephant in the room. Now, the bones of contention are engine mapping of the 5.4-litre Coyote V8 and the new-shaped Mustang's downforce and drag. Rushbrook confirmed Ford is still not happy that there's parity with the 5.7-litre Chevrolet Camaro, although it's optimistic that agreement will be reached with supercars before Newcastle. I think we'll keep it high level uh, for, for some of these discussions. Uh, I think the industry, the media certainly has, has sensed or heard bits that as a manufacturer and, and aligned completely with all of our racing teams that uh, we are not satisfied that parity has been reached either for engine uh, or aero. And that goes back to uh, some of the VCAT testing that was done. And, and when we left there, uh, not satisfied that, that parity 
had been achieved and also more recently with some of the testing comparative testing that was done on track that the acceleration of the cars down the straightaway is not equivalent uh, so certainly are some concerns there but we're working together in a very transparent collaborative way just like we do in all other racing series around the world uh, with the series and with triple eight as a competitor as a lead homologation team to find solutions for that and uh, we do that we were in a very similar situation in nascar about two months before we went racing with the next gen cars a little over a year ago and the industry came together in a very collaborative way where chevy and toyota and ford and and nascar and all of the racing teams rolled up our sleeves and we shared data and we looked at it objectively as engineers and we found solutions and made changes to the cars and less than two months later we we had a start of a fantastic season and introduction of that new car and and great racing through the full series we approached that in every racing that same way in every racing series that we go to and it's no different here so while there are challenge certainly challenges in front of us um we believe the series understands the urgency that's required uh newcastle's not too far away and that um, we're looking forward to a solution to be able to race with parity across both brands so just to be clear mark there is no final agreement yet even though we're getting we're cutting it pretty fine correct as the cars are today and with and without any agreement to properly address the concerns um we believe there's there's still a gap that needs to be addressed rushbrook rejects any suggestion that ford simply hasn't done a good enough job at matching the mustang to the camaro you've got to have a thick skin right because there's always a lot of speculation of what's really happening or or what's not happening so i, I do think it's important that uh we speak not even not just within the the walls or the discussions only with supercars and, and with triple eight but that more be shared transparently with the media with the fans of, of exactly what is going on i think everybody knew when we started the gen 3 project that it was going to be a challenge to balance to have proper parity between two very different engine architectures and i think we're seeing some of that play out at this point in time and uh it, it there have been points in time where if you look at our engine and and some of the advanced technologies on it with what we're able to do with that engine on the road car we're not able to do the same things in the race car on the race engine some of those knobs and controls have been turned off uh and that that is a frustrating part i think for us um we take that same engine and we're able to same base engine as a coyote based engine and we're able to meet the regulations and meet the the parity or the balance in other racing series around the world so there's certainly not a lack of capability in that engine or the team that's developing it so i don't have any uh lack of confidence or concerns with that it's a matter of the very different architectures and the process that's being used to balance it and i think similar for arrow I think we showed when we brought the the new Mustang uh, to the previous gender, well, the current car that we're racing, 
that the people from Ford Performance developing that car are very capable to develop a fantastic race car. Uh, and you saw that on the debut of that car. The Ford Performance boss says the issue is about more than just lap time parity. Yeah, so I, I think we need to be, again, transparent, collaborative, work together to, to find solutions. Uh, it, it is hard to say that you want parity based upon lap time because you can achieve the speed in different ways and then you're going to have ver variability as you go from track to track. So I, I think we do need to address it at the fundamentals. Um, I won't answer the second part of that question because our focus right now is working collaboratively uh, to solve the issues so that we can all go racing with parity in five weeks. Ford's continuing qualms are delaying finalization of the Mustang's homologation as teams rush to get ready. Good Drive Racing has run its new Mustang in almost complete spec. And while team boss Tim Blanchard admits the holdup is concerning, he's not worried that it will impact final preparations. Uh, yeah, I guess that's probably not ideal, but um, yeah, I don't think any of the changes at this stage are going to be significant. I think we're just looking at some fine-tuning things. Um, but yeah, I think at this stage, we just need to get the cars out there and see see where, where we're at. There's there's a lot of variables at, at play, and um, yeah, it's it's a very difficult thing trying to match two cars up. Um, and you know, the previous generation of cars, we had years of experience um, in doing that. So yeah, it, hopefully we can get it get it right. And um, there's some very clever people working extremely hard behind the scenes to to get it right. So. Um, yeah, ho hopefully we get it right to start the year. Um, there's obviously a lot playing out in that space, and I'll leave that one to GM, Ford, and Supercars to resolve. More from Tim Blanchard on how BRT beat the big teams as first to test a Gen 3 racer coming up. Ford's Mark Rushbrook spoke with local media on the weekend of the Bathurst 12-hour, begging the question of if we'll see the new Mustang GT3 at Mount Panorama as soon as next year. Rushbrook says the 12-hour is high on his wish list. We we love our Mustang GT3 program, and we're full speed ahead to complete homologation of that uh, middle of this year to start building and, and selling customer cars. And we had interest uh, from customers globally. Uh, that want to buy that car and, and certainly to have it racing at Bathurst is a priority for us. So that is our hope that we will see it see it racing at, at Bathurst, but certainly some some work to do to finish the homologation and then find the right customers to, to make sure it gets raced there. With a GT3 version of the C8 Corvette also coming, the prospect of a Ford versus Chevy battle at the Bathurst 12 hour in 2024 or 25 is salivating. Speaking of Australia's international endurance race, the weekend's 20th edition was a record breaker. Biggest, fastest, most distance, and closest ever. Record crowd, record lap times, and a thrilling finish made it very memorable. Aussie entrepreneur Kenny Herbull's Sun Energy One Mercedes AMG team made it two in a row, and lead driver Jules Gounon 
became the first three-time 12-hour winner. Grant Rowley will review all the action from the Liquor Molly Bathurst 12-hour later in the show. Back to supercars. And Blanchard Racing Team last week won the race to be first to test a Gen 3 race car, running the Cool Drive Racing Mustang at Winton. The one-car squad is the only team to have tested before this week, beating even the heavyweight homologation teams. According to BRT co-principal Tim Blanchard, who shared shakedown duties with new recruit Todd Hazelwood, it was a good hit-out that indicated Gen 3 will be worth the wait. All in all, the test went really well and uh, we'll be back on track here um, within the next week. Um, and that, that will start looking a lot more at the performance side of the car and how we can tune it up and, and start preparing the car as best as possible for Newcastle. So what was the takeout? Is it basically a good design, a uh, sound yeah, car, a, a racier car? Yeah, I guess it's been well documented that there's probably hasn't been the, the smoothest implementation, but I think the end product is fantastic. So the car on track looks amazing. The sound is brilliant. Um, you know, I think when you've got 25 of those cars going around Newcastle, the noise and the look's going to be um, something to see. So I think the end product's going to be good. Obviously, it hasn't been the, the smoothest journey to get here, but I think it's, um, like I said, the end product's fantastic. We're going to have some great racing. The cars definitely move around a lot more. Um, and as the cars move around a lot more, the tyre wears a lot higher, so the tyre deck's much higher as well. So um, I think it's going to produce some quite interesting racing and and um, I think it hopefully will throw up a few surprise winners throughout the year and a, a bit of the unexpected, which is, you know, what everyone wants to see. But still, how did Supercar's Minnow squad trump the big whales? It's obviously a, a big milestone for our team and a feather in our cap, but, um, you know, it, it's for, for a small new te- newish team. I'm not sure we can still keep saying new team anymore now as we move into our third season. But, um, yeah, it was something that we are very focused on making sure as we try and build our credibility within the industry that we met that deadline on the 1st of Feb. So... Like I said, we started planning in the middle of last year. Um, you know, we really planned the project out well, increased our resources, had a really good core group of guys that worked incredibly hard and did did everything possible. Um, but yeah, we've I guess uh, some we had some really good planning and and we were able to leverage the the networking or the resources of the wider cool drive business as well from a supply chain and product sourcing point of view. Um, but yeah, we, we did had a minimal break over Christmas to make sure we we're in a good position. Um, we really utilized that break in November between Gold Coast and Adelaide to get as much as we could done. Um, and then it just came down to just doing everything we can to, to minimize the time required. So um, if something was going to take three days in freight, we'll put someone on a plane to, to go and grab the part to save two days here. Or if there was something we could do differently to save two or three hours here or there, we, we did it. And I think the fact that we're um, being a small nimble team uh, probably helped and, and having only one car to build, we were able to uh, be very proactive and um, didn't have, I guess, a lot of channels to go through. We just had, we just got, a, got it done. So I think in this scenario, being a small nimble team um, with some very good people put us in a very good position. According to Blanchard, in this case, being small was better. 
Yes, I know they've obviously got a lot, lot of data at their disposal and a lot of information at their disposal. But you know they had uh, a lot of distractions with all the homologation testing and and things that they had had to undergo and a lot of design requirements they had to do. So, um, yeah. So I guess there was a, a lot of distractions that they had to deal with, uh, which we didn't have to deal with. Um, and uh, I, I also saw the amount of work and how hard the guys in our team went and the links they went to to get this car done for that first of Feb. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of understanding the workload that's involved, it, it doesn't surprise me that a few teams struggled with it because it's, you know, especially the bigger teams, uh, the workload and um, involved is quite substantial. Bottom line, though, is that pretty much all the parts are available if you go looking for them and put yourselves out? Uh, yeah, I guess the, the main holdup's been a lot of the composite stuff, which I think GM and some of the engine stuff, which GM's car's probably been a bit further behind. Um, but yeah, like I said, we've, you know, in the last last week before the 1st of Feb, we did two trips out to Toowoomba and flew home with components. So I flew home myself with a front splitter and an ECU. And um, but yeah, we did quite a few... I guess trips like that where we just didn't didn't wait for it and like even picking up the engine we as soon as that was released from supercars uh we didn't wait for freight companies we went and picked it sent one of our sales reps from cool drive across to pick it up within an hour and and we drove it down over the weekend and had it in the car first thing monday morning instead of waiting three or four days for freight companies so um like i said we just i guess there, there was a lot of little things that that worked in our favor and um yeah very proud of everyone at Cool Drive and BRT for what they've been able to achieve. Tim Blanchard is looking to the Gen 3 upheaval to enable Cool Drive Racing to make a big leap. I think Gen 3 is a massive reset and um, I think the, the uh, upside for all the delays and issues in the implementation we've had uh, with the Gen 3 is that especially some of the bigger teams with the big resources haven't had the opportunity to fine tune their cars to the point where they like. And uh, that opens the window for other teams to really cause some upsets. And um, I think it will create some really exciting racing and hopefully some surprise winners. So, um, you know, we've pushed really hard to get the car out there as early and put our best foot forward. There's no doubt in those, the the big teams like Triple Eight and DJR, they're, they've got a lot of resources at their disposal um, so they're, they're still going to be figure quite prominently in, in the results, but I think we've done everything possible for BRT this year to surprise a few and get some good results and, and we'll see what happens. But I think given the variables, it's probably a bit hard or unfair to make assumptions or, or, uh, goals of what you want to achieve for the year. But, you know, for, for us, we, we really want to make sure that we're in the, Top ten in the championship, and I think we're we're doing everything we can uh, within our control to achieve that. BRT returns to Witten on Tuesday, when Dick Johnson Racing and Matt Stone Racing are due for an initial test at Queensland Raceway. Triple Eight and Premier Racing are scheduled to run their Camaros for the first time at QR on Thursday. The rest of the Southern teams will finally wheel out at Winton next week. The final all-in pre-season test day will be at Sydney Motorsport Park on Wednesday, February 22. More 
after this short break. The Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast, it's all in the name. It's all motorsport. Focused on those who make significant contributions to the sport we love. Correct. Some people might only see a dozen motor racing events each year, but the truth is that our sport never stops. Almost every weekend there's a car race going on somewhere. And Gaz, you're at most of them. Ah, yes, and if I'm not there, you certainly are. And you'll hear from us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast every fortnight. You're listening to Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Kiwi Red Bull Formula One reserve driver Liam Lawson thrilled the crowd at Mount Panorama with demonstration laps on Saturday in the howling 2011 RB7. Welcome back. Well, you'll never hear that screaming sound in Formula One racing ever again, as the new rules from 2026 will continue with muted V6 turbo hybrid power units. They'll be even more electrified with 50% of the 1,000 plus horsepower provided by battery assistance. It's this increased electrification plus synthetic fuel for the internal combustion engine component that has attracted Ford back to Formula One. The Mount Panorama demo happened not long after it was announced that Ford will partner Red Bull Racing from 2026 for at least five years. The Blue Oval returning to Formula One after more than two decades away. Ford performance boss Mark Rushbrook explained why the car giant is partnering with the reigning world champion outfit. We talked with existing teams. Some of them approached us. We approached others. A lot of prospective teams trying to be approved as the 11th or 12th team came and talked to us. And as we looked at the different opportunities, we, we weren't going to just get into Formula One just to get in at all costs. It had to be getting in in the right way. And when we first talked to Red Bull, it was very apparent from that very first discussion that we would be good partners together with very common culture and goals, but also a complement in terms of as they started with their independent uh, development of the new power unit that there was there were deeper technical resources that they were going to need that they might not have themselves and a company like Ford Motor Company with what we've got with people knowledge experience facilities provides that for them and they provide a great place for us to develop and deploy that technology and to learn so again that very first discussion um, it felt right and it proceeded quite quickly uh, to a second discussion, the third discussion, and uh, well, and a few more after that, to the point that we're finally able to uh, announce it today. And something we've been looking forward to to make this announcement because it's it's a very exciting opportunity for the company to go back to Formula One and able to finally share it with with the world and and our fans and customers. So a big day for us, and uh, really excited to share it and discuss it with you guys. According to Rush Brook. The looming alliance with RBR in F1 fits Ford's future as a diversified car manufacturer. 
the attractiveness of Formula One is is really around the opportunity to learn more, to test our knowledge of full of electrification in the hybrid units in Formula One, to learn and bring it back. So we are very very confident with the the challenge in front of us to go racing that we are going to learn. We're going to bring knowledge, but we're also going to learn more about that knowledge circle centered around things like battery cell technology, the cell chemistry, the the, the battery uh, cells themselves, the battery packs, the electric motor, and more so the control software and the calibration of that software for the electric motor and blending it with, with the combustion engine portion of it, the analytics that are involved around the data and the processing. Um, more broadly, software, I would say, in the total vehicle, even beyond the power unit itself. And then also aerodynamics. It's an area where we've learned a lot already. Actually, the leader for our aerodynamics team came from Red Bull about six or seven years ago. But we know there's more knowledge that we can we can bring out of Red Bull to help us uh, learn even more about the CFD processes and wind tunnel processes so that as we're trying to stretch the range of our full electric vehicles, we can reduce the drag and get some range improvements there. So yes, absolutely. Racing what we sell is important because there is that direct correlation, but also racing in the technology of electrification and being able to bring that back, not just to one specific vehicle or nameplate, but to more broadly, across all of our electrified products is important for us from the technology perspective. Ford will help Red Bull powertrains, currently running a developed version of Honda's power unit, to design the V6 turbo engine in addition to electronics, software and batteries, as well as the Red Bull Ford Racer's aerodynamics. Rushbrook is adamant Ford's F1 involvement, likely to cost tens of millions of dollars will not impact its supercars, NASCAR, WRC, GT3 and GT4, and drag racing programs. Now, back to Red Bull's Formula One demo program here. Bathurst was not the first run that RB7 has also had secret outings at other iconic locations we gather in New South Wales. As Pucked Up Plus revealed a few weeks ago, Red Bull is compiling a promotional video here. That was to include a blast across the Sydney Harbour Bridge. We're now hearing that was too hard to organise. But a run across another landmark bridge in Sydney is still on the cards. Back after this short break. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state-level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 is available at racefuels.com.au. You're listening to Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. And we're on the run to the flag. The weekend was all about the Bathurst 12-hour, but there was also the prestigious New Zealand Grand Prix. Here's Grant Rowley with his roundup, thanks to our partner, Bob Jane T-Mart. 
Australasia commanded the majority of the world's motorsport eyes over the weekend with the running of the 20th Bathurst 12-hour plus the 67th running of the New Zealand Grand Prix at Hampton Downs. The 12-hour saw a fascinating race unfold, decided by the smallest margin in the race's history. The Sun and Energy 1 Mercedes-AMG took its second straight win, with Jules Gunon holding out a string of last-hour attacks to secure the win. Gunon took the win with his Aussie international teammate Kenny Habul and Lucas Stoltz. It was Gunong's third successive victory in the Bathurst 12-hour. Aussie Porsche racer Matt Campbell tried in vain to catch Gunong in the closing stages, but could not get close enough to make a move. He finished second. Mercedes rival and pole sitter Maro Engel did get close enough, almost getting inside Gunong at the chase, only to turn him around and cop a drive-through penalty. Engel drove back well, but in the end, only good enough for third place. The New Zealand Grand Prix at Hampton Downs saw rising Dutch star Lawrence van Holpen leave his rivals in his tracks, dominating race 12 of the 2023 Castrol Toyota Formula Regional Oceana Championship. Only British ace Louis Foster could offer any opposition to van Helpen, who took pole position, the race's fastest lap, and the iconic New Zealand Motor Cup trophy. For the two Australians, Ryder Quinn finished the Grand Prix in 10th, while Tom McLennan withdrew from the event after nerve damage in his shoulder. He is expected to be back for the final round of the series at Taupo this weekend. Also in New Zealand at the Scope Classic at Royal Puna, Stephen Richards won the Sir Robertson Stewart Trophy in the historic touring car class, driving a Nissan Primera Super Tourer. Other notable entries in the class was John Bow and a former Shell Sierra, plus Kane Scott, who returned to racing for the first time in more than a decade. That's the racing news from home and abroad for Parked Up Plus. I'm Grant Rowley with thanks to our friends at Bob Jane T-Marts. Thanks, Grant. Finally, the star attraction of the Bathurst 12-hour was undoubtedly MotoGP legend Valentino Rossi. Valet dominated off-track publicity. There were very, very long queues for his autograph and he was a centre of media attention. As well, Rossi was pretty impressive on the track, adapting to the mountain without incident and co-driving a factory BMW M4 GT3 to sixth outright. He described the Mount Panorama track as mythical, impressive (laughs) and scary. The famed motorcycle racing superstar excelled at Phillip Island in his MotoGP career and says Australia's two world-renowned tracks are surprisingly similar. At the end, I think that this track is not so different, not so different compared to Phillip Island. So the difference is that in Phillip Island you have uh, a lot of space and no walls, but the the, the design is is similar. And uh, last week I came back on the bike. We we, we tested in Portimao, and uh, after some months. Uh, is a big difference compared to the car, under some point of view. And uh, I think that the MotoGP in Phillip Island uh, is a little bit more than, uh, than the M4 here in Mount Panorama, but we are not, uh, we are not so far. So also here, you have a lot of adrenaline uh, when, when you drive, also because you have to try to make everything good without making any mistakes. Uh, with, the, with the bike, you are outside, so you feel more the, the speed. 
So, like I said, is uh, under some point of view is different, but uh, under other point of view is very similar. Mm -hmm. So we can uh, we can put more or less of the same level. Valentino Rossi is a crowd magnet, and as he gains car racing experience, we look forward to an even more competitive return to the Bathurst 12 Hour next year. Well, that's it for now. Back next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up with Grant Rowley on Thursday for more lively discussion. And don't forget Network R's other must-listen podcasts. Tanea McLeod and Prayer Richards present Girls on the Grid each Monday and every second Friday, Gary O'Brien and Darren Smith host the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Show. This has been Parked Up Plus, where you hear the big news from the big names every week. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another Network R production. 